we got some singing coming up. Uh, that's as deep as I'm going to go with uh, carrying a tune uh, on Ingle Radio, the podcast. Uh, welcome to it. Darren Millard, along with the co-founder of Ingle Magazine, David Hutchison. You'll hear from Kevin Woodley on a couple of occasions in just a little bit with our gear segment. Brought to you by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Langley. And the feature interview this week will catch up with Washington Capitals goaltending coach Scott Murray in a long, great conversation uh, involving Kevin Woodley. But uh, Hutch, uh, we got a lot going on between the hockey shop, uh, Sensorina bringing us our feature interview, and over at the magazine. We got tons going on. It just feels like Christmas is right around the corner. There's snow outside my window. I'm guessing there's not much snow outside your window in Vegas. No. It's no, and I was surprised that there was as much snow in your hood uh, as what happened over the last uh, 10 days or so. We got a little hammered. Do you miss it? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I totally miss it. But yeah. then, then I get over it, and there I go you. chip, and I go uh, work on my short game, and and then I'm then I'm all right. <laughs> I'll be happy when it's gone here too. Hey, Christmas is uh, just around the corner, and I would just like to put out a notice to everybody out there who listens, all the loyal in goal radio listeners. We would love it as you're doing your Christmas shopping. We've got two opportunities for you. One, you've heard me mention it before, and I'm going to say it again, a gift membership to InGoal Premium is an incredible gift for any goaltender. You know, as soon as they get it, they will have access to more than 650 articles over at InGoal Premium, plus another full year to come. When you order that gift for them, they're going to get a little notice on whatever day you want with whatever fancy message you want. You can even download a little gift certificate with one of your favorite goalies on it, and you can put it in their stocking, put it on the tree, uh, whatever you think. Just a great way to learn. And as so many people tell us, one of the best ways you can become a better goaltender is the content that we're putting together each week. Pro reads, pro tips, pro drills, so much great content over there. Great gift for any goalie in your life. It's less than $50 Canadian. What's that? Like 35 bucks American. Mm -hmm. Fantastic investment. Now the other one, We've mentioned this before, but sort of went quiet, but it's now all tidied up. We have a premium podcast channel. If you want to get through all of the feature interviews, if you want to be quick because you're in the car just for a little while, you don't want to listen to Woody and Darren and me just chatting about what's been going on in the goalie world lately, probably what happened lately in the goalie world if you go back to some of our early interviews isn't quite as relevant you just want to get to the meat of those feature interviews then our premium podcast channel is for you right now there are over 200 feature interviews published there uh, if you would like to go and join and it's more than 200 we're only on episode 196 here but you know we've had a bunch of episodes where we've had more than one interview those are all posted over there. If you head over to ingolmag.com, you'll very quickly find out how you can be a subscriber to our premium podcast channel, or you can send a gift subscription to that as well. Another opportunity there if you'd like to help out uh, the very favorite goalie in your life. And yeah, that includes yourself. You're allowed to buy the odd present for yourself at this time of year. Don't you think, Well, Darren? I think the premium membership is uh, outstanding because it uh, if you've got a child, a young adult, and we as parents always battling, get off your phone, get off a line, go do something. Uh, and you know that they're playing hockey, obviously, uh, because you're listening to this podcast, but this puts them online or on their phone for a good reason. They're, they're learning. Go. 
it's great educational reason. and it's 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 outstanding to build their game and uh build their the mental side the the physical side the uh, strategic strategic side uh i think it's uh if there's a lot in there uh to be able to take advantage of yeah as, as a goalie parent i would just say i know that a, a lot of people probably think wow is it is it is it right for my young son my young daughter uh, is it something they'd want? Because kids these days, they just want to Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is. It's something you could do together. Or what I will do sometimes, because I've got a 16-year-old who doesn't want to read through all the articles. I'll just call him down and say, hey, here's the latest pro read. You might want to take a look. And he just watches the video and yeah. gets something out of it every time. He's got a good comment to me every time about something he's noticed I haven't noticed. And uh, they don't need to be interested in sitting down and going through all the articles on the website, you can just give them little snippets and a great chance to learn without asking them to study something for half an hour a day. It's a two, three, four minute commitment as they check out each week's pro read or whatever the latest drill is. Um, something I, I really think there's something there for goaltenders, pretty much of all ages and ability. Wow. I'm going to admit something. All right. I love you guys. I love what we do. I love the interviews. Uh, they're amazing. The access uh, that uh, that we have with NHL goaltenders, goalie coaches worldwide, it's incredible. There is nothing available on the goaltending map like pro rates. It is the most unique, most special, most influential as far as how you approach the game as anything you will find out there without going and sitting down with uh, Ryan Miller or James, like any of these guys that, that have done it, uh, a long list of guys. It is a spectacular element. And this is one person's opinion. It's the best. Everything else is awesome. That's the most unique thing that you're going to find. Easily worth it just for the pro reads. Um, I, In fact, I sat down with uh, Brian Decord this week, Darren. He's going to be a feature guest on the show in the next few weeks. And I asked him the question, how do you learn how to read the game? We talk about it in so many of our interviews on the show about the ability to read the game at an elite level makes all the difference. Goaltenders of all levels can stop the shots. Every goaltender in the NHL can stop most of the shots they're going to face. It's that ability to read the game that makes the difference between um, a good goaltender and a great goaltender. And so I said... Um, to Brian, how do you learn how to read the game? And well, rather than tell you, we'll just get Jimmy in the sound booth to cue it up and we'll play it now. Jimmy. Well, not blowing smoke, but in goal magazine, that's what you guys are doing. Oh, thanks. No, no, but, but yeah. honestly, like this isn't, this is what, this is what you, your pro reads. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is how the game is read mm -hmm. and you're not going to get enough reps playing. So you've got to watch. So there you go. How cool is that? Yeah. How cool is that? That like that that is perfect. Right from him. Yeah, so just now, love now it. that means Decord and I, Dak, I call him Dak. Dak and I, we're 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 the same person. Like we I I could be a goalie expert uh, like like Dak is because we agree on that. He's gonna be excited to hear that because I guarantee yeah. he's listening right now. Well, I, I, I didn't even know that. No, uh, he, he should because, yeah. I mean, only cool people uh, that know me really well call me Mallard. But uh, the, I didn't know he said that. 
and so um, we're coming at that from two different angles. He's obviously an elite uh, when it comes to an instructor and a teacher of the game. And I'm just a, a viewer and, and uh, somebody that likes to, to play uh, in his latter years. And it, it's just a huge, huge benefit. I love it. Good job. And uh, sign up for that premium uh, subscription because it gives you everything. All the access uh, that, that you that you want. We got a lot going on now with with that. And what's the price again for the premium uh, membership? Uh, Forty nine ninety nine Canadian, which is thirty five thirty six dollars US. It's it's less than a dollar a week. Mm. Which for everything you're getting there, it's it's a no brainer. We honestly honestly have had people in the last three weeks. We've had people tell us to both double and triple the price. Um, we've been holding the line as, as long as we can and, uh, and just want to keep delivering great value to people. You know what I say? It's $49.99. We throw in like two and a half weeks free. That's what we do because of the 52 weeks. Oh, I hear you. That's, I hear that's, you. that's, that's you my go. new marketing point. Uh, with you. <laughs> hey, uh, you got, you got another, I saw the survey uh, that went out. You got, uh, any feedback from that? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, we, we don't have any results yet because they all have to get, uh, you know, churned and, and sorted through by the marketing company. But what I did want to mention is that another one went out this week. So they actually, in previous years, we've helped them out and, and they've had one big survey. They split it into two and another one went out um, Monday, I believe it was, yesterday. And it will finish up uh, this weekend. Quick little opportunity and it is one more chance to win a custom set of gear and it's not the same custom set as the last survey it is another oh, custom set yeah a second so if you are on our email list you will have received that email already you'll get a reminder towards the end of the week if you're not there's two ways you can get on it one go subscribe to in gold premium and we'll make sure you get the email uh at the end of the month end of the week excuse me or you can just head over to ingoldmag.com as you scroll down you see a little promo there for premium and you can enter your email address in there and you will then get on our list. There's no commitment to purchase anything at that point, uh, but you will receive the survey. Uh, it is today, December the 6th. There's less than a week left. I think it's the 11th this shuts down. So if you're listening to this at a future date, I'm sorry we can't get you a survey. It closes when it closes. Uh, but if you hurry over there in the next couple of days, you can still get a chance to get in on this uh, quick 15-minute survey and a chance to win some custom gear. Awesome. I did the last one, so I'll be right uh, on top of this one. Not that I'm asking for any free gear or win the set, <laughs> because I believe family and friends are not uh, of hosts are not uh, uh, eligible uh, for that uh, contest win. Uh, did you did you see some of the footage from over at the hockey shop, uh, Source for Sports Langley? I better what believe a, it. Like it, it's beautiful. It's incredible, uh, and and everything new is great, but just the it's like a different planet it's incredible it is incredible we're so so excited about what's happening over at uh, over at yeah. the hockey shop the hockey shop source for sports langley and the new facility is incredible if you haven't seen it uh please go check out our youtube channel where you can see the tour from last week as uh cam showed woody around the shop you can see this incredible huge facility much more space uh, for all the goalie gear. They're not in the basement anymore. They've got this beautiful corner. Uh, they used to have to hide half their gear in the back because they didn't have the chance. Now it's in a giant wall yeah. of pads, another wall of masks, another wall of chesties. 
Uh, it's absolute candy land. Bags. They, like they the bags. Asked, There's a wall of bags, which, I, I know which that's you what can actually see. You, hey? Okay. Yeah. What? Well, I, I like it because I can go, okay, I can fit my stuff in that. Or yeah. I like the way that that's it. Like something as simple as that. Oh, it's incredible. And it's, uh, and it just, it puts a smile on your face every time you see it for sure. So the other thing they did, you know, Cam and Woody have always talked about the old hockey shop. They refer to the goalie section as goalie utopia. They said, yeah. what do you think we should call this one? Does it deserve a new name? We've had a bunch of people leave comments on the videos with their ideas. Uh, let us know. Maybe, maybe your name would uh, get picked. Maybe you'd get some fancy credit from Cam and the boys over at the shop. But, but we do want to, Darren, thank the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Langley for sponsoring the podcast every week. Uh, we do encourage you to head over to the website this week because they've got another huge sale on for the holidays. There's over 500 items on sale. I think in the goalie section, it's 180 some odd uh, different pieces of gear that you can purchase at a greatly discounted rate. Um, we know this is the place to go, not just because they have this unbelievable new flagship store, but if you can only shop online because you don't live in and near Vancouver, um, you can still get them to help you with all of your custom needs, whether you want to buy something from the new big brands, like something like the new Bauer Connect Skate, or maybe you want to get some custom design on your Bauer or CCM access pads, or just incredible what you can do with the guys because they're all about service, right? You, you know that when you get to know Cam and the boys, everybody who works in there is a goaltender in the goalie corner uh not just guys who are looking for a job these are people who live and breathe the position they're as passionate about it as you and i are and if you go in there and you look for gear they're going to make sure that you have what you need for your game so i really encourage people give them a call you don't even have to just browse the website pick up the phone call cam call somebody in the goalie department tell them what you're thinking tell them what you need and they're going to make sure that you get in the right set uh, of equipment for you or your son or your daughter and hey, speaking of dropping your email address to us, Darren, so that you can get on the survey, every month the hockey shop gives away a $250 gift card to somebody on their email list. So if you're not on their list oh. yet, no commitment, just go put your email address in there and you might be the next winner. And $250 might be almost enough to get you the new stick that we look at in the gear segment this week. Ooh, that's really Maybe good. Not quite. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at masks. I'm down to uh, the uh, coveted, uh, the Bauer, and the CCM. I, I know that's not really nailing it down or narrowing it down that much, but I'm down to three. Well, you probably uh, play so three I've times been... a week. <laughs> you get one of each? Is that yeah, what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah your Monday mask, that... your Tuesday mask. Yes, I like that yeah. idea. I, no, I found a kindred spirit uh, Three with paint this jobs you thing. can have, like so many options. Yes, and and now I've got to get this this new stick uh, because uh, this week's gear segment uh, dealing with the Warrior Ritual M2I stick, and there's some really neat features coming with this twig. I I got to admit, I don't get as jazzed about sticks when we're doing the reviews because. I don't know. Like to me, I don't have the skill to handle a stick well enough for it to make a big difference. I know a lot of you, it really does make a big difference, but this one got me pretty excited, Darren, because there's innovation in it. And when you get through listening to the intro of the, uh, oh, you know what? We, we teased that there was some singing, but there isn't, yes. there isn't on, there isn't on the podcast version. I don't think, I think you might have to head over to the YouTube channel to see cam Ooh. to see cam singing us into this week's video 
I'm pretty sure I didn't want to ruin any eardrums if people were just listening. <laughs> well, um, it's a, the, the stick is though it's it's thin to but, win, right? But is when you what, uh... yeah, when you head over there, you'll see there's this unique geometry uh, to the stick. You really do need to go to the YouTube channel. We're gonna we're gonna hear the audio here, but as we mention every week, they're they're also published in video um over on youtube and you can see this unique geometry on the shaft of the stick and when i see technology as you know i get super excited and i want to try this stick and why you need this stick in your hand is of further benefit considering the crackdown that's occurring in the national hockey league on goalies playing the puck we'll tell you about that after we tee up the gear segment with Cam and Woody over at the Hockey Shop, source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com, with the Warrior Ritual M2I. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports. We're up. We're not down here in Goalie, Utah, but we're, we're on this. We don't have a basement to hide in, folks. No. We're in the we're in 34,000 square feet of spectacular hockey shop. We're in the goalie corner. We've been trying to. The goalie corner? Well, I don't know what we're calling it. Like, we had a couple huge. of good suggestions there on there. There were some suggestions. We're going to sort through them. Keep the suggestions coming on yes. what we should call this. I still think it's goalie utopia. Whether we call it goalie utopia or not, that's what it is. Surrounded by the latest and greatest. And this week, that means. The new Warrior RM2i with probably the craziest shaft I've ever seen. Cam, walk me through what ASG is and how it's going to help me snap sauce up ice and get apples. Hey. Is that what the kids say? <laughs> oh, goodness. I tried. Right. I tried. Asymmetrical geometry. Asymmetrical geometry. Kind of. Okay, I got it. Yeah, okay, good, because I was going to get you to say it five yeah. times fast. So, Jeff, this is a cool new thing Warriors dropped for the M2i stick. So, when we look at it and we get a closer look, it's all rounded. There's no flat points on the stick itself. Which me. helps with breakage. To right? me, this is a big... Sharp corners are what break when you get the exactly. shots off the shaft. We haven't even talked about like the actual why yet, and I've already been like, okay, this is awesome. Um, one of the cool things is how it's indented inside as you kind of run your hand from actually where you're holding the stick with your blocker up to about midpoint to the top. It's concave, so that's going to allow you to bring your glove in and actually almost fit it and wedge it into the stick, almost locking it in, creating a better torque point for the stick itself when you go to go play that puck. So it's all about the puck handle with this. Puck handling stick. 100%. And they've chosen their M-series sticks to base it off of, which is their uh, mid-kick point stick. As you can see, again, has so that cutout. Minimus carbon cutout, yeah, Correct. on the back of the paddle. So it's allowing that stick to nice and flex, nice and uh, well, and great uh, some great pop-off. Low kick point, right? Low kick point. Did I say mid-kick point? No, I, I, I wasn't paying attention to what you were okay. saying, but I know it's a low kick point. <laughs> uh, the minimus Sorry, lines. So let's try it again. Low kick point. Low kick point. Much like our IQs on this show, it is low. Um, unique geometry, like you said, on the ASG. It, it really is crazy. We'll take it in the stick room and have a look. Um, other features on this, because like, to be honest with you, this is new. It's innovative. It practically sells itself. Uh, the fact it's got that low kick point for just sort of quick, easy, little flex on the stick, and it's going to give you, uh, you know, nice, sharp passing. 
So the stick itself is still based off of uh, M2 Pro Plus, right? So we're which has that same weight. Yeah, and the same minimus carbon count. So we're still coming in. I, I think we measured at 27.5 at around 600 uh, grams, maybe just a touch above. Um, so obviously some of the smaller sizes will run in a little bit lower than that. But I mean, to me, weight and balance feel of the stick generally off the bat, it doesn't feel any different than say like a normal m2 pro plus meaning that shaft geometry isn't changing the feel of the stick just in terms of changing the balance point exactly exactly so what i want to do and i can't wait and i'm sure some of the guys want to see as well and all the other goalies want to see how it shoots well i mean we're gonna let you do that because i think my beer league team when they heard that it's a shooting stick automatically said kevin's not allowed to buy it Um, They don't like it when I go out of the net. That's fine. I'll go sauce them into the net for you. One quick thing before we we check out how it shoots. Two patterns available in this one. Two options. What are they? Twist, which is very similar to a Bauer P31. Also, uh, the Crawford curve in CCM's uh, nomenclature. Um, And then your Jonathan Quick curve, which they also call their mid curve. Um, What I got right here. So once again, uh, we're having something with a little bit more hook. Uh, again, personal preference comes into play here. Um, personally speaking, between the two, I like the P31, or what we call the twist curve, uh, in Warriors nomenclature. Is that what you got, or is that the mid? I've got the twist. And again, the mid being a little bit uh, straighter with a good hook right starting from the mid of the stick and up. Um, reference our older curve video if you do want to check that out a little bit more uh, but that all said uh, again those two uh, options in terms of for quick uh, patterns and then for color wise we only got that one option but it really really pops um, you can really see that shine of that stick with that chrome lettering for sure i did notice on the giant stick rack because the stick rack size is even bigger here at the new location for the hockey shop for sports uh, there are a bunch of in other warrior lines they've got a so the m2 lines bunch of new colorways that just came in some new chrome shine perfect for the holidays i've seen some blue i've seen some red i've seen all kinds of different colors this one's only available like this but as cam said there are other options if you want to make sure that the uh the goalie reaches under the tree and gets something that matches his gear they've got it all here uh if you got any questions about the new warrior rm2i or any of the other sticks and any of the color options how it plays for you how it's going to work in your game Make sure you give Cam a call here at the Hog Shop. Where? 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. Or you can even email us at sales at thehockeyshop.com. And don't forget, new location out here in Langley. If you want to check them out in person or online, thehockeyshop.com. They'll have all these new twigs up for you to check out. Like I said, the new RM2i or different colorways in the other models all will be available online at thehockeyshop.com. Well, that, that's innovation that I never really thought of getting thinner up there because space. I make saves off the shaft for my stick, by the way. A lot of them. That's where I break most of my sticks nowadays mm-hmm. is because the pucks hit up there, a little crack, and it's like uh, they're compromised, just like a player stick on a face-off or a slap shot and a little nick out of it, and boom, it's it's broken. So um, uh, I'm a little concerned my save percentage may go down, but if, if the technology works and it's that much of a benefit, that that makes up for it. And as they mentioned in the video, there's there's a chance that new geometry is going to provide a little bit more stability too. So right. maybe your stick's going to last a little bit longer. Your stick budget goes a little bit further. 
while you're enjoying this great, this great new technology. How many times have you had people told you you were lucky for making that shaft save? All the time. Doesn't it drive All you nuts? Yeah. If you make as many shaft saves as you do, it's not luck, it's skill. Mm. Well, I still think it's like it's more them hitting it because I'm not really trying to put it there. It's got a lot to do with my lie or remember lies used to be a thing. Lie 14, lie 13, yes, lie, yes. lie 15. Uh, it's got more to do with with that. But uh, but I, I like to tell because it bugs the forward so much when I say, hey. What do you mean? That's that's a piece of my equipment. That's a, that's a safe 100%. right there. Why? If, if if that wasn't meant to stop the puck, why why would there be this long handle up there? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Oh, geez. Speaking of future guests, remember the Corey Hirsch piece on Sportsnet where he was uh, showing some of the suggestions for cutting down goaltending equipment years ago. One in, one of which included getting rid of that shaft. Yeah, yeah that didn't no, go over you. very well. No, I was working with him then. Now I'm like, what what are you doing? <laughs> like, I need that. You're gonna lose the my Union Sunday card. night league at the time. Yeah. Uh now my Thursday night skate. Uh so um if you use the stick, you can grab it, throw it up to your uh forwards, maybe take a shot on goal. It's it's awesome. You move that puck forwards. Uh hate having defensive zone faceoffs. They want you to grab that puck and they want you to move it. Uh one thing we've learned is the stick is a great tool to move that puck as opposed to just grabbing the puck, say you catch it. Mm-hmm. And you throw it, and uh, I didn't uh, didn't realize this, but a goalie can't do that. Maybe it's in the spirit of the World Cup of Soccer being on right now, but goalkeepers love to grab the ball and throw it as far as they can, yeah, uh, up the pitch. That we had something sort of interesting happen a couple of times this uh, weekend, and credit please to uh, one of our listeners, Yannick Doyon. I hope I got that right, Yannick. Uh, he's a professor at the University of Laval in Montreal, and he uh, works on gene editing. So this guy's brain is way above our pay grade. Um, but he sent along a clip of John Gibson this weekend, uh, Saturday, in overtime against Minnesota, catches the puck and fires it forward. I think it went most of the way up to the blue line, called for a penalty. Uh, ultimately, that penalty was not determining what happened in the game. It went to a shootout uh, before Minnesota won in the shootout. Turns out the very next day, in a Minnesota game again, uh, Scott Wedgwood caught a puck in overtime, also threw the puck forward, and this time the referee didn't get it. And uh, But... I just wanted to make sure I was right on this. I was sure that it had to be a penalty. Looked it up in the NHL rule book. For those who are sticklers, 67.3, a goalkeeper shall be assessed a minor penalty when he throws the puck forward towards the opponent's net. Oh, so that's the key word. Forward. Forward. You, yeah, you, you can, can throw it you into can the corner. You can pass it to the side or to back. And, yeah, rugby uh, rules and, maybe. And set up your your defenseman with that, like play it to to a defenseman off to the uh, corner. But if if you move it forward, you're in violation. Yeah, laterals are okay. The forward pass is not okay. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wonder why I, that rule exists. I mean, I mean like, now forwards can make a hand pass in the defensive zone. They can't grab it and throw it. Can't That's grab it illegal. Back, nope. But you can make a hand pass. I, I just wonder, and to be honest, it never occurred to me, uh, a goaltender making a, a hand pass or throwing it. 
uh, it happened so little. I, I've seen the guys kneel down and roll it or, or toss it that way, I mm-hmm. guess. But I wonder why that rule existed way back when. I think, and I think Pecorine did it not too many years ago as well. Um, well, I, I think it. I think it could easily be back when we had gloves very much the same as players and maybe just beefed up a little bit more like a cricket wicket keepers gloves or something um, right. where you had the ability to throw it. But, but also um, it, it's really, as you pointed out earlier, it's the same as the rule for, for players. You can't close your hand on the puck and throw it forward. And so it's really I'm some s- consistency. So just because we have the ability to catch and close our hand on the puck uh, doesn't suddenly give us the ability to throw it forward either. I'm just surprised that there's a, a specific mention of the goalkeeper and it's not just yeah. a defensive zone well, uh, restriction. Could that Honestly, could that be a history from something like soccer yeah. where a goalkeeper had that role? I, I don't know. Hmm. I don't I know. I wish to, they'd uh, let us do it. but into that. Yeah. I know a couple of uh, rule geniuses, uh, and thank you to the gene. Uh, what was the, uh, the the name of the gentleman? Um, uh, Yannick Doyon. Yannick Doyon. At Doyon Lab on Twitter, for those who want to go check him out. Easily uh, our smartest listener. I guarantee that. Uh, appreciate it. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check into that. Just exactly why that rule is in there and why it specifically mentions goaltenders when it's already there uh, to stop defensive zone, uh, uh, closing the hand of the puck and allowing you to make a hand pass, but but along the ice. All right, now getting distracted here. Uh want to mention one more time, uh, just uh, great friends over at the hockey shop. Also, our uh, Google connection with Sensorina, uh, Sensorina VR, so much uh, happening here. And you talk about uh, a cool present under the tree. Uh, with the ability to work on your game. Uh, the feature interview is presented by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Uh, it's coming up, Scott Murray. But uh, what about the uh, the headset and what you can do with that? Oh, lots of cool stuff this week, Darren. Um, lots of cool stuff because of my conversation uh, with Brian Decord, who works with Sensorina, as as we know. I I put it on again this week. I I you know I was uh, watching my son do a little bit of training. I said, okay, I got to get in there. Let me let me have a few shots here, see what's going on. And it had been a while since I put it on, and I couldn't believe the changes to the interface. I mean, one of the things about Sensorina, because you're paying sort of a, a license fee, it's an ongoing uh, license to use the software in Sensorina. There's updates coming all the time, and I couldn't believe the changes to the user interface. I I switched out of the traditional rink that you work in and I got into the New Jersey Devils practice rink where I was taking my shots. And one of the things that we noticed that had changed is um, the leaderboards where you can compare your score to other goaltenders at your level. Uh, they now include full names. It used to be an initial and a last name. Yes. And uh, yeah, and the full name and all of a sudden Maddie was like, oh, hey, I've played against this guy. Oh, I know this guy. Eve Gascon, who played in the Quebec League, she was up on one of the leaderboards near him. A couple of other goaltenders, one of them who'd been in Vancouver before him, David Tendek, was on one of the leaderboards. Just it made it a little bit more community-like and, and exciting to do so. And then, and then we just got to, to work with the software again, and it's, it's just mind-blowing. One of the pieces I've mentioned before we're going to actually use in a video in the next couple of days that we'll get up, Darren. They have the puck cannon. I don't know if you've tried that. But the puck no. cannon lets you get 
the same shot over and over again to the same location. So you can replicate a save and really work on drilling in a technique. Um, mm -hmm. We used it to replicate um, a particular drill that we showed at in goal. Maybe it was in the summer. Um, bonus points if you can think of what that drill might have been and what the puck cannon was good for. I will tell you that by the end of it, my son was practicing heading pucks into the corner just because he's a teenager. I, I, I love him. I love yeah. him because yeah. that was exactly what was running through my head. <laughs> he was doing it. Um, so yeah, just uh, just incredible what Sensorina can do for your uh, for your training. But here is the big news: one, an incredible saving still on for the holidays. If you want to see a Sensorina uh, set under the tree. 35% off right now, which includes the free Quest 2 headset and the controllers. They've sort of carried on the sale from Black Friday through the holidays. Great opportunity to get it. Incredible gift. Not only will you have Sensorina, but you'll have access to all of the virtual reality games and activities through the Quest 2 headset. Use the code IGM50 and you'll save even more on top of that incredible holiday sale. Now, the best news, I think, how many times, I know, Darren, you've done this before, but most of us have said to ourselves before, I wish I could step in and face an NHL shooter and just see what it's like. Very, very soon, there will be NHL shooters in Sense Arena. Right now, you face live shooters on video, but they're uh, European pros, some incredible uh, shooters in there already to really challenge you. But how cool is it that there'll be NHL players shooting on you soon? Can't wait. That is awesome. Incredible. So what you do is is you do your your session, and then you go to Hockey DB and you look it up and go, oh, I stopped that guy who scored thirty five goals in <laughs> one year in the is, NHL." Or is, is that what you did? Whatever after, stats they are. Is that what you did after a Vegas skate? You looked up to see who had knocked the shaft off your stick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the guy that hits the shaft more than anybody I've ever skated with is yeah. Eichel. Really, uh, like, more than. Any person, and and we laugh about it, he and I, because uh, it, it's just it's so accurate. Like he's beating it clean, but he's hitting that shaft, and and he says it's always uh, stopping. It's one of his, uh, uh, not speaking out of turn, but one of those little pet peeves that 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 bugs players, and uh, and he's so like uh, on it. Darren, I, I don't know. You might be giving some secrets away. There's going to be some NHL goalie coaches listening right now. They're doing their pre scout uh, on Eichel. They're going to be yeah. doing shaft saves this week in practice to get ready for him. Well, uh, I can tell you what. Uh, he's not getting any shaft uh, right now around the net because he is on fire. I know he's banged up uh, this week, but uh, he's having a heck of a season watching him. And that, that release is, is, is so cool to, to watch. But uh, I'll take any advantage against somebody like that. So. That's cool, sensory to giving the NHL shooters. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I, I don't know if they, they're going to be there yet because I actually don't know what form they're going to take. But I think it would be yeah. so cool if you could just, you know, I want to face Shea Weber's slap shot. I want to face, yeah, Jack Jack Eichel's wrist shot or Austin Matthews uh, dragon release off the wrong foot. I mean, like, how cool that? I be? wish I could see everybody's very specific thing hey here's another question just along those lines that came up around the house here today when maddie looked up at me said if you could play in one nhl game against one team who would you want to play against so like right now here. right now yep assuming you had the skill to pull it off yeah if so if, you, if you're going to get an opportunity to play in a game you've got a certain level of talent 
mm-hmm. so you're confident. Uh, I would want to play Edmonton just to, just to face Connor McDavid and see what it's like to see that speed on the yeah. edge. Toronto was uh, was also on on my mind there uh, because of the talent that that exists offensively, but to be able to to play Leon and uh, the likes of Connor McDavid uh, that that would be fascinating just to see how fast it really is. Yeah, he, how about he you? well he had the same answer. No, mine was much more strategic. I said, "Do I get to pick who I play for as well?" Yes. And I said, I'd like to play. Yeah. So I said, I'd like to play for the New Jersey Devils against the Anaheim Ducks because maybe I have a shot. Yes. uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, Arizona. I I take my chances against Arizona, too. uh, I've got way more respect for you two wanting to face McDavid and Dreisaitl, though. Uh, that ju- uh, just to see it, it's like when you yeah. when you get a chance to stand near the glass in a game and you realize how big and fast the game is, uh, even though there's not the level of physicality that there used to be, there's still so much uh, bumping that goes on and intensity on the ice. Uh, that would be wild to watch Connor McDavid come down on you Ooh. in that type of situation and try and match that speed. I don't think people realize how fast the game is. If you if you only have watched on TV, you haven't seen the speed that you can see when you go to see the game live. And if you've been even in a good seat in the lower bowl somewhere, you're still not seeing the same speed as if you go stand on the glass or if you're lucky enough to stand on the bench for a practice or something. Like The closer and closer you get, and then I, I have no doubt, Darren, when you're standing in the net that it seems five times as fast as it does when you're standing on the bench as well. Well, that's why I feel uh, real uh, respect for the goaltending coaches in the National Hockey League. We've got Scott Murray coming up yep. here from the Washington Capitals. Uh, they have to sit there and they talk to the goaltender. Well, why did you make that choice? Could you have made this choice? Uh, what about this save selection? Uh, and the goaltender's looking at them going, do you know how fast that's happening? <laughs> right, right. And then, and they have to have this ongoing relationship uh, with 32 teams and and all these goaltenders uh, doing this kind of thing. So uh, Scott Murray, and I lo- love this interview that uh, that Woody uh, has with, with Scott because you, you have a teacher and you have a goaltender. And they happen at different times. The goalie came first and then he went to college and became uh, a teacher, but you put those two together. It really did create almost the perfect scenario for a goaltending coach. It did. And and I loved how you introduced it, Darren, just what it must be like to go up to an NHL goaltender and question them on what they're doing. Because, because this interview talks about Scott's evolution from goaltender to young coach going out there on the ice with, uh, with Braden Holtby a Vesna yeah. Trophy winner, and uh, having to find his place and his way of offering his thoughts and his advice and and to make an impact on his game. And I think listening to that whole journey is a fascinating look again at uh, how you can develop as a young coach, how you can develop uh, a career in the game, as I know so many people listening to this podcast would like to do. And then I think even for the people who are established in the game already, it's a very interesting listen because um, there's some great stuff in there about communication, about leadership, yes. about how you work with with um, an athlete. And, and I have no doubt that uh, Scott's training as a teacher uh, will have a, a big impact on him and has had a big impact on him. So yeah, I just love listening to the whole thing. And then the relationship with Mitch Korn, of course, the, the sort of Yoda of goaltending coaches. Um, learning to work with him and and to hear a little bit about how he approached his role uh, with Scott, I think is a great lesson in leadership as well. 
There's a lot of geography in this conversation, talking about uh, Lake Superior State and then going up uh, to Sudbury mm-hmm. and that journey, both uh, metaphorically and and physically uh, along that line, and uh, and his career that uh, and he makes fun of his career, uh, but uh, how that guided him in through it, and uh, enough procrastination. Uh, this is the censoring a feature interview. Uh, Scott Murray, uh, love this and uh, love some of the messaging in it with Kevin Woodley on Ingold Radio, the podcast. Really excited to welcome to the Ingo Radio podcast. I hope he's as good for the next little bit as he was for the past hour with me and him just shooting the crap like it was a Sudbury Saturday night. <laughs> Scott Murray, Washington Capitals goaltending coach, longtime friend of the program, um, but never on the program. Welcome. Thank you for joining the Ingo Radio podcast for the first time officially. Thanks, Kevin. Obviously, our conversations have been awesome. So looking forward to doing it on air. Okay, so I want to get into there's so actually I'm not even sure what I want to get into because you and I talk often enough that I sometimes it becomes a little forest for the trees. All the things that I assume everyone knows, I'm not sure. So let's just I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I'm not going to ask you about goalie coaching. I'm going to ask you about goalie playing. Had a career with okay. some 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 teams that <laughs> yeah, that's what we call it. We'll still call it that NCAA. <laughs> couple of years of minor pro with some teams that quite frankly I've the Motor City Mechanics in leagues that I don't think are around anymore. Where did it start for you? you? Uh, well, it started in minor hockey. I'm going to give you my career in a nutshell. Kevin McCarthy, our assistant coach, um, says it the best. Um, I was a good room guy, but I didn't stay there. That was the problem. So <laughs> that's my career. Um, but I started in, in in minor hockey in a small town in in southern Ontario, and then eventually went to play junior in Chatham, which would be junior B by, you know, close to the Windsor, Ontario area. And from there, I went to Lake State, played in Lake State, didn't play a lot. Uh, we had a really good goalie, um, a couple of really good goalies that that played well ahead of me. And um, Jamie Platt and Matt Violin, who was a draft pick of Vancouver at one point. Um, so I played there for for three years and then. I went to York to do my teachers uh, or finish my undergrad. And then I went to University of Windsor, did my teacher's college and played a year in CIS at the University of Windsor. And then from there, uh, went to San Angelo Saints in the CHL and then and then to the Motor City Mechanics. Uh, and finally, you know, kind of settled into Sudbury, which I met my wife uh, at the University of Windsor. And so I said I was never going to go back up north again because I was at Lake State for three years. So I went to Windsor as far south as you can find. And I met a girl from Sudbury and then I went there for life up north in Ontario. Okay, you missed one that showed up on the Hockey DB, the uh, Cambridge Hornets. Well, yeah, is that I, is that Ontario? When I see Ontario Senior League, I joked about Sudbury Saturday nights. Is that like the... Is that like the Shorzy famous sort of senior league level that we're talking about here? That's the senior league in, in Southern Ontario. So that would be a, a place close to Kitchener. Um, Cambridge and and we had some great players on that. That was during the lockout. So um, Jill Bear Dion was on that team. Mike Torsha was my goalie partner. Uh, Jamie Allison. I think Scotty Walker was playing for the Dundas Real McCoys. So that was kind of my final stop before I before I packed it in and started coaching and teaching. 
I think there's probably some stories from uh, those days, but this is a family program. We're gonna we're gonna stick to the hockey and the teaching. Um, not a coincidence though. Uh, the transition to coaching, but first you got a degree in teaching, and I'm wondering, you know, where you see that line, um, if there is a line, the difference between teaching and coaching, and how valuable it is to have that background and foundation in teaching before you started coaching. Well, I mean, I think it's really important just because I started off with, you know, when I went to Sudbury, I didn't know, I didn't know anybody. I was, I lived in, I grew up in, in Southern Ontario. I met my wife at Windsor in University of Windsor and I went up North. So I knew no one. Um, And I, and I started teaching and I started coaching seven-year-olds because my stepson was seven at the time. So that's where I started with kids that I saw around the rink and got to know because he was playing against them. Um, so just, you know, that combination or that, that background in teaching, uh, and, and having the patience with kids and understanding, you know, personalities and, and dealing with that on a daily basis in my job helped me out a lot because that's where I started with, with goalie coaching was with seven-year-olds and eventually built up from there and, and, and got to get some older kids and, and, and you know how the story goes. You just kind of build a reputation, but it it started with young kids and and just knowing that, just the ability to communicate and understand kids at that age and be around them through my job of teaching um, helped a lot. Okay, so at what point, like you you go to school to be a teacher, you're done playing hockey. I'm guessing like that's the career path at that point, or at least what you're envisioning. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but. At what point did you start to look at goalie coaching as something that was more than just like you said, working with kids and, and you know, and, and working with your stepson? I think it goes back a little bit. I mean, it's kind of a funny story, but I I, I was in college, and so after the year's done, you go home and you get a full time job, and um, and then you go back the next year for college. So I was working at Home Hardware, which is a, it would be like a. Um, it just a, a local hardware store in Canada. I was working at the uh, warehouse. So I was walking up and down an aisle from seven to three, the same aisle all day long. And, you know, whatever day it was, but it's a month in and I'm going, I think there's, I can do something. I can, there's more value in what I can do on a, on a, on a daily basis in the summer to work. And so then I started working goalie school. So that was kind of the turn of playing into coaching because at that point, I then I went full-time goalie schools in the summer. So that was kind of the turn as far as being just a player to, to starting to dig into coaching. Um, so I kind of knew along the way that I wanted to to coach at some point or run a school at some point because of that. Uh, so I kind of kept that through over the next two, three years. Every time I'd go home in the summer, it was goalie coaching and doing goalie schools. And then I started to run my own. Um, so that was probably the biggest transition there. I was just walking up and down the same aisle for seven, eight hours a day and saying, I want something different. And, and so that was probably the start of the, the coaching thing. Now, your experiences, you know, because, you know, when I when I look at the timeline in terms of when you were playing, like you're, you're at Lake State sort of 99, 2000 through 0102. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, I kind of started talking about goalie coaching and 
learning about the position myself around 0304, I'm guessing you wouldn't have had a goalie coach there. Like this is this is in an era where you know, like there were guys in the National Hockey League in 0304 that still got up off the wrong foot. Like there was the structure of the position had started, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't everywhere. So where did you, like what type of, where does the technical background come from for you? Is it, was it mostly just experience and been there? Are there guys that had mentored you to that point as you start coaching and teaching whose philosophies you believed in? And Walk us through, because we got the teaching side. Now, how did you, what about the technical side? It was it more than just been there, done that. This is how I played. Where'd, where'd the other elements start to get added? Well, I did have a goalie coach in junior in Chatham. Um, it wasn't a ton of technical work, but he ended up being a goalie coach in the OHL. So there was there there was a, a bit of a beginning there. And then when I went to Lake State, I did have a goalie coach in Terry Barbeau. And so he was outstanding. He's still that, one of my there's best. a name yeah. I've heard from Ryan Miller yeah. over the years yeah, is a so major he, influence on his career. Yeah. So before he was with Lake State, me and Ryan Miller were in the same class. We're the same. I think he's a year younger than me, Ryan. So he would have been with Terry in Sioux, Michigan, maybe a year or two before I was at Lake State and Terry was our goalie coach. So I did. I was lucky to have Terry and you know, one of the best human beings, one of my best friends still today, and, and obviously a guy I still call on and, and and lean on, and and but he's just been an awesome mentor. So I started to learn the goalie coaching side, you know, in junior, but then obviously got a chance to be around a guy for three years in Terry. And so that was kind of the beginning of of me seeing that side of it from, through someone else's eyes. And then, you know, I end up going to York University, we had a guy there, but I, I'll be honest, and it, and it's not the goalie coaching, but when I I obviously love the position, I wasn't a you know I wasn't a, a really good, I didn't have a really good career at all, um, but I love the game and I love the position. When I when I went away and didn't have a goalie coach because of my passion, I started to look through those eyes. Even when I was still playing, I started to look through those eyes and learn from. You know, watching goalies. Actually, Eddie Belfour was a guy that I watched, and I, I went from being an aggressive, you know, reactive goalie, and I watched him transition into being very simple and deeper in the net in Toronto, and that, and I kind of patterned my game off him in the University of Windsor. Now, did it work? Not necessarily for me because I didn't have the skill level, but I started to look through those eyes as a goalie coach, even when I was still playing partially because I, I, I didn't have anybody. I didn't have the GPS going. I had to be the, I had to be the GPS at that point. So, but I also had a passion to look through it, you know, from that lens because of those guys that I had before. So I got to ask like, where does the love for the position, that passion, where does it come from? Like, what do you love about it? It's a big question. I just think the, the way I grew up was, um, you know, my father was a massive hockey guy. That's he basically relates any analogy is going to come to either hockey or bunting in baseball. Um, I, I think part of it's the way I grew up, and I just it was something that I it was the thing that I loved to do that didn't feel like work that I always wanted to do, and because of where I grew up and and road hockey and pond hockey and all of that stuff was available and you didn't have any other distractions to take you away from that that's just something that I always always did and 
Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly what the moment was. I just think it was just a growing up and just being in that environment and, and loving to do it, whether it was playing road hockey or playing in a game or watching it or playing Sega Genesis and playing hockey. It was just kind of in me, I guess. So starting junior, as you move up in goalie coaching in junior, working um, in schools, was there a point where, like, are you chasing where you are now right away? Like, did you see that as the end goal? Do you, was there a point where it became a more realistic goal? Uh, I think the biggest thing that I started chasing probably was just trying to start my own goalie school. That was, you know, I, I no, I would say no, it wasn't to, you know, when I started coaching, wasn't I want to be an NHL goalie coach. Um, I just think I wanted to be involved. Like when I left playing, I wanted to do, I wanted to coach. And I wanted to be involved in, and I'm going to a place that I know no one because I'm going from Southern Ontario to Northern Ontario to live my life and start a family. I, and goalie schools became something that I did a lot. I wanted to start my own. And and so it wasn't really about coaching in the NHL. It was just how do I stay involved here? And because I loved playing and I loved everything about the game and I didn't want to lose it. So I, how do I stay involved? Well, I want to start a goalie school. And then, you know, I got onto a midget team in, in Sudbury and, and work from there. Obviously having an, an OHL team gave me something to shoot for. So for sure, I want to be involved in a team. I started that, but I, I just wanted to stay involved. And so starting a goalie school and, and getting on with a local midget team was, was, was my start and, and kind of where I began that journey in Sudbury. Washington hires you in 2016 for the 2016-17 season, first year in Hershey. Mitch Korn hires you. Walk me through that process a little bit as much as you can and that relationship. How did it start and and sort of how it developed? Well, so I'll, I'll correct the dates a little bit. So 13-14 was my first year in Hershey. So I was in Sudbury um, in the OHL in 12-13. 13-14 was my first year in Hershey. And that See, was I'm going to blame I'm going to blame hockey lazy research and hockey DB on that one. It doesn't show up on there till 16-17. So my fault for not doing better homework. No problem. No problem. So so Oli was the goalie coach in Washington and then I became the goalie coach in Hershey. So that's where it started. And then then there were some changes after the first year and, and, and Barry comes on and obviously Mitch is coming with Barry because of who Mitch is and and you know He's a hockey hall of famer, in my opinion. He's one of the few goalie coaches that should be in the hockey hall of fame. So that's Mitch Korn, not just as a goalie coach, but as a human being. Um, so I ended up going out to Mitch's goalie camp in St. Louis to do a practical. So he called me and and we talked. We got along on the phone. So he said, Hey, let's before I make a decision on you, let's get a chance to meet each other. So he said, here's my, I mean, he's doing a goalie school because he does them all summer. So it had to be quicker. And and so I, it was St. Louis. So I flew it to St. Louis and, and we got a chance to spend three days together. I got on the ice with him and um, you know, you go on the ice and you, and you go for dinner. So you get a chance to know somebody. So that was, that was the process of getting rehired uh, to stay on in Hershey with Mitch was going to see him talking obviously first and then going to see him at St. Louis and, and getting a chance to know him. Um, and obviously we know what type of human being he was, but we got along well and, and worked together well. So, so that was the process of getting back on with, with Washington through, you know, with Barry and Mitch at the helm. 
Mitch moves up into more of a director role. Um, you move up to the Washington Capitals. That setup, that concept, I mean, maybe not the first, but certainly one of the first to have that sort of director overseeing everyone on the same page. Alex Wesselin gets hired to work in Hershey, who we're also massive fans with, and now he's with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, is that an ideal setup? Like, maybe not everybody needs to have three, because... Not everybody does, but how did you see that setup, and why do you think what made it work? Well, number one, Mitch was an unbelievable um, leader in the fact that we all had great relationships, and he was he was very trustworthy of what we were doing with our direct department, Westy and Hershey, and myself in Washington. And, and so his, he oversaw what was going on and never, ever tried to, um, he just didn't micromanage. He trusted us. And then when we'd have questions, he was there to support us. So that was a huge reason why that setup worked was because he trusted the people that were working under him. And when there was support needed, he was there and he did it in a way that it we felt like a team. Is it like, a, was there like group think discussions? Like I think of like Finland, you know, where you get these coaches For coming sure. from different regions, sort of the first ones to do that. And they'd all come and share ideas. Like I'm, sure. I'm envisioning that there. Yeah, for sure. Lots. Of, I mean, lots of phone discussions, um, obviously together for a while at training camp, development camp. Um, so you get some time, face time together. And then, he was, you know, he'd come for six, seven days a month to Washington and six, seven days a, a month to, to Hershey. But we talked a lot. And, and so there was a lot of discussions, whether it was, you know, Westy and Mitch or me and Westy or me and Mitch or all of us together. There was just a lot of a lot of discussions, but it, 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 it was a team. And I, it, Mitch did a really good job at being the leader and, and overseer but also trusting his people to do their work and, and, and allowing them to, to get experience and, and feel it and, and find out some things about what they're doing. And then when there's support needed, he was there. Now that first year, like that can't be an easy transition. You're stepping up into shoes that he had previously occupied. You're working mm -hmm. with Braden Holtby as the number one goaltender guy who already had won Vezina trophy with Mitch. What's that transition like? How do you build, how do you go about quickly building a relationship with Holtz and and sort of making that jump, not just to the NHL, but into the role previously occupied by, as you said, and I will agree 100%, and we're making this push all the time here, a guy who should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. Groovy, what allowed it to work? Yeah, I mean, obviously Mitch being who he is and 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 – you know, allowing me to jump in and not, and, and him staying in the background and, and just kind of being that person that is there for support and overseeing that helped a lot. And and so I jumped right into the fire, knowing Grooby and being with Grooby for, for two years in Hershey, obviously bridged that gap with him. Um, Braden, I think the, one of the, the key things was just, you know, we, we got a chance to go to BC before the season started. So that helps. So it's just me and Brayden in BC. And, and we got a chance to, to do some work and, and get to know each other and, and end up staying in the same, um, the same villa. 
uh, you know, when we first met each other. So now we're, we're hanging out and, and we're seeing each other and, and, and getting to know each other socially, not just in a working environment. And I'll be honest, like he's going to, he's one of those guys that you're all remain friends with and, and, and do stuff socially with all the time, just because we just have the same kind of demeanor and mindset and, and, and the way we approach ourselves and, and our life is very similar. So that, that probably was the easiest part was we just, it feels like we clicked as people, me and Holtz. Um, on, on patios that, in Kelowna. That helped. <laughs> that didn't hurt. <laughs> it must have been, been a good relationship because it was strong enough to overcome the annoying video guy that was there with you for those three or four days in Kelowna. <laughs> Always nagging and asking for things. So I apologize for that. No, no, no. I no, forgot no. about that, that that was the first year and that's, that would yeah. that would have helped build that relationship. Yeah, we had no choice. We had no choice. If we didn't get along, it would have been a tough three days. But that that was a good start. And and uh, you know, it it wasn't a year without adversity for for Braden. Uh, you know, Gruby was pretty consistent and and one of it was one of those guys that was knocking on the door of being a number one guy and he was putting some pressure on. And um Braden went through some ups and downs, but that's you know, that's a tribute to who he is as a person and a character. And, you know, when his back was against the wall, he put his head down and we went to work and he made some adjustments. And then, you know, he eventually got an opportunity again at the end of the year. And you could see his game come in the last five games of the year. You could see that trend. And then he got put in and, and the rest is history. So, um, so it was an interesting, and, 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 you know, it, it took time with Braden more than Gruby because I already had the time with Gruby. Um, but Mitch being who he is and, and the way it was set up where he was hands off, but there for support, um, allowed me to dig in and not, and, 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 you know, make some mistakes and, and find out more and, um, you know, fail and learn more and fail and learn more. And, and, and eventually, you know, because of our relationship socially, me and Braden, it, it, it became, you know, a successful one. How hard is it to balance that when you build a relationship with a guy, but you're also still like, he's the boss of his game, I guess, in some ways, but your job is to get it to its best. Like there, there's probably moments where I guess maybe because Braden's so driven, not so much, but like, are there moments where you got to be a hard ass where it's got to be tough love? And does it, does it tough to sort of find that balance at times? So, so, you know, whether it's at the start of that relationship or towards the end of it before he left Washington. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a challenge. Go- stepping into that role with him was was harder to find that. You know, it was it was easier with Groovy because I had been with him before. I w- we were together for two years, so that was that was already established. Is is that ability to, um, you know, find the buttons to push that worked for Groovy to do that with Braden took me a little bit of time, and and obviously having a relationship and having them know that there's care for each other helps any scenario um but finding that line where here's some tough news here's some things that you got to do and you know some non-negotiable stuff was took some time took some time but you know with that trust in in that relationship and that relationship the strength it had um or we built helped that along and, and allowed us to make some adjustments later in the year when he wasn't playing and and also a big credit to him that when when his back was against the wall and he's just a blue collar hard worker. And not bad for your first year in the National Hockey League. It ends hoisting the Stanley Cup. Like 
when you think back to that, like what thoughts go through your head? Stanley Cup champion, name on the cup forever, doesn't go away. I would say it was just a fun. It was, I mean, we've all been on teams, we've all played on teams. It just, even though it's at the highest level and guys are getting paid a lot of money, it felt like the same thing that a, a junior player would feel. It just, our guys were so fun to be around and they wanted to be around each other. And it was just one of those things where even though it's two months longer than, than you have to play, it felt like they wanted to keep playing even past the two months. So um, just the the fun, it, how enjoyable it was to be around those guys and watching those guys just want to be together on a daily basis was was fun to watch and because it just it goes back to why we play and and it, no different than a junior team that isn't getting paid a lot of money they just want to hang out and they don't they have a choice at the end of the regular season what what they want to do do they want to be there for a week do they not even want to get there so they have a longer summer or do they want to be there as long as they can because they just love being around each other um, even though they sacrifice some stuff later in the year. You talked a little bit about his seeing his game coming and shameless plug for ingoalmag.com. We've got the video series from a presentation he did at a, at a uh, Western Hockey League symposium that we broke down into multiple parts, sort of that has video sort of showing some of that work. But for the audience that maybe doesn't subscribe to Ingoal Premium that hasn't seen that, can you walk us through what in your mind were some of those keys to his game coming, some of the things that you were focused on? Um, and some of the mechanisms that you use to sort of help him find that game late in the season so that when he does get back in early in the first round, you know, he's prepared to basically just keep going and, and help you guys back, stop you guys to a Stanley Cup. I mean, we've talked a lot about tracking. I mean, it, obviously his ability to move and read the game and understand the game and, and the stuff that Mil- Mitch built um, as far as, how he controlled his body. We, we, I mean, you know how fast and athletic Braden was, but just the efficiency that he did things, um, you know, after being with Mitch for, for, for that long, I mean, Mitch did an unbelievable job at, at controlling that athleticism and making everything easier. Um, so we, we, we talked a little bit about tracking and, and getting his head to, to continually work, you know, onto the puck to, so that, some of those lateral plays that maybe he wasn't as successful as, you know, shots from the slot or tip stuff or whatever, um, they felt a little bit easier. So that was one thing that you could see over the year. And by the time, you know, you're sitting there doing some drills, you go, oof, like this looks pretty good. This looks pretty easy for him. So that was one. Um, and uh, one of the biggest ones, to be honest, when he was kind of going through his rough patch and Gruby took over, for a bit was he was starting in traffic, starting to really sink back into his net, which created some problems with his feet getting wider. Um, you know, obviously you lose some some depth and some position on the ice, but you lose body position too. So that was one area that we really dug into. And I give him a ton of credit because it was it was quick. It was like, hey, do you see this? Yes. And he he would admit at the end, he goes, I need I knew I needed something, I needed to adjust something. And and so that was a big area where he was starting to sink a lot when he couldn't see pucks and he would start to sink early, even when he kind of saw them. And so that was a big adjustment tactically that we made during that time where Gruby was playing and he wasn't playing as much. And then he, I give him a credit because he fixed it quick and it didn't go away. 
Boltz, Grubauer, Samsonov, Vitek Vanacek, now Darcy Kemper, Charlie Lindgren. Like you work with some some really great goalies, still are working with some really great goalies. Has anybody had the body control that Braden Holtby has? Like his ability to control his body, but then also to take a concept. Not that I haven't been around it like you have, but I'll never forget that those three, four days in Kelowna to take a new concept and put it into action on the ice. I'm not sure I've seen anybody do it as fast as him. Yeah, he just, he does have a, I mean, it's control. There, you know, when Braden was gone, it, it was funny because it, it almost looked like it was too easy at times. I remember in the, in, you know, talking to Franchon, he, he said, there's times where I watch Braden where it's like, we're not beating him tonight. Um, you know, where he makes a save, he's not even looking at the puck. And so I do think he is a super athlete. I think he's 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 his hockey IQ is very high. Um he he he's an old school guy that know just knows, understands the game. He was a student of the game. He just grew up with hockey at that time. And so he's a student of the game. I do think the work that Mitch and him did together, um, was huge because he 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 was already a good athlete. He already read the game well, but he just everything became easier. So that big save instead of being a reach became his body there, and he has a natural ability to control his body once he kind of got that technique and some of those things that helped him do it and keep things together. It was impressive to watch. It was impressive because he had speed, he had power, he had all of that. He had body control his limbs really worked together well with the work with Mitch and that made everything that he did, which was elite easier. And so now he's in position more and he's bigger in position. So um, seeing that was impressive and then, and then adding some stuff in. And, um, but you see it with, with a lot of the elite goalies um, out there, um, but his body control was impressive. How much do you use it? Like obviously you know, during that presentation, we saw a lot of video. Um, how much do you use video just for your own sort of monitoring and things? And how much do you use that video when you're recording guys doing things, whether it's in practice or video? I guess everybody uses game video, but yeah. practice video. Do you use that with the guys? Do you review that with the guys? Or is that more just for sort of your own, you know, for lack of a better term, sort of tracking progress and being able to look back at how things looked on the ice? We video enough practice with our team but I, I'll, I'll videotape most goalie ice sessions um, most of it's just to kind of see how things are looking um, so they wouldn't see a lot of that but if there's something that sticks out where it can help them then then i'd use a clip or two from from the goalie ice video or from practice video just to augment or, or help out what we're talking about what the focus is or if they, you know, they need to see something visually. Sometimes guys just want to see it visually and how it's looking. So I'll use that, you know, sparingly. Obviously game video is a little bit more frequent, but practice video and goalie ice video, we do tape. Um, and But I don't, I don't overuse that. It it's would more, be more, more for a, you. And we need to, need to use it basis. Okay, so on game video, like, is it mostly just like reads and tactics and being on the same page, or are there times where you're looking at mechanics and movement and things like that as well when we get into game video with your goalies? And again, I guess, do you have to walk the line on not giving them too much in those sessions and letting, to, or do you present it like, hey, what do you see here? Like, how how do you manage video and you know game video with your goalies in the sessions? There's probably a lot of coaches listening right now that are eagerly making notes, like, how do I do this better? How does Scott Murray do it? 
Well, I've done it a bunch of different ways, to be honest. Um, you know, I've done it where we've got a, a system that we can put the video, you know, into a platform that you can mark the video and, and then send it to them and they can see the marks. So it could be them reviewing it with my marks in there. Um, a lot of times we'll do it live together. Um, sometimes you just take out certain clips and, and, and just look at an area that, was either really good or maybe need to be a focus for that practice. Um, I've, I've sent the raw video to guys and they mark it up for, for me to get their point of view without kind of forcing my information into their head. So I've done it a bunch of different ways and, and they all kind of seem to have a purpose. I, it, it is a fine line between how much information do you want to get them? So you're not, you know, they, they know their game very well. They're the masters of, of the more than anybody, the masters of themselves in their game. And, and and it is a fine line at trying to say the right things, but not saying too much where it, it becomes um, a thinking game. You've got a third goalie for practices. You got, you got, I, I, I didn't realize you guys had a past relationship, but the video coach there, Brett Leonhart steps in. I saw when you guys were in here, here in Vancouver that you used him yeah. as a practice goalie. It's something I've been advocating for for years here, as you know, the idea that, you know, sometimes those practices aren't the healthiest for, for the goaltenders to take part in all the time. I'm not saying that we don't have to take part in them, but sometimes, you know, especially the workhorses, a day off is nice. How have you incorporated Brett into your practices and what's your, what's your general view on sort of the way we run practices for goalies, you know, at all levels of hockey, not just in the National Hockey League. Is there are there some better ways we could be doing things? What do you look for to to look for ideas on on how maybe to in, improve that environment? Because it is one that sometimes it's not just that it's not goalie friendly. At times, it can be almost goalie detrimental. I mean, obviously, it's nice to have Brett for sure around. Um, you know, for this year, we've used him more on you know an optional skate if if you know Kemp's is playing a lot and and you know, to, to control his energy and, and where he needs to feel he needs that rest is the, is the weapon versus getting on the ice, then, then Brett would step on. So it's more on, on that side of things where it's stepping in on an optional, um, you know, we had those taxi squad years and I, I would assume that if you talk to goalies that that was probably in my opinion the best setup because i don't think it's necessarily for the goalies to take a bunch of days off because i I think it's important for them to practice and stay sharp and keep their skills sharp and it's hard just to do that in games like you have to there's i mean the the talent code is, is a book like if you don't if you don't have deep practice now part of that can be through the game but if you don't have it especially in a certain area then it's hard to it's hard to keep it. So I think there has to be practice where I like it the most is when the, when the third goalie, and I think it's important because if, if you look at any soccer team, I'll use soccer, they got three goalies. And in games, goalies, you know, they're moving, but they're only seeing five, six shots a game. So they're seeing less action. Now there's movement in soccer for sure, but there's three goalies on those teams on the world stage. And, you know, in the premiership, whatever, there's three goalies. I think the biggest value for a third goalie is not to give days off, but to be on the ice. So the rest to work ratio is just a little bit better. 
and a little closer to what a player would see where they're going three times or four times and then they rest. So they go one time and they rest for three. Whereas a goalie's one-to-one, always it's one-to-one. And then, so now we got, you know, if you look at deep practice, which is how do you improve your skill? You got to live on the edge of being comfortable. It's hard to live on the edge of being comfortable when you're just trying to survive. So I think it's more about having a third goalie on the ice for every practice, whether it's an optional or not. And maybe, maybe it's just for the starter for that practice where he's, you know, in and out with the starter. Maybe it's for the the backup. Maybe they're in a three, whatever it may be, but just to get deep practice that's quality that they can push the envelope of being uncomfortable more than what they do because it seems at times it's survival. And survival obviously puts us in situations where you're just getting by and you're not sort of grinding on the details that are necessary to sort of get that valuable type of practice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, in a game, it's a huge difference in a game for a goalie than a practice the the, the output. It just is, you know, the, the, the players are, are, you know, if you look at, there's some games where goalies are, you know, they're in, there's the other teams in the zone for a long time. So you might get a, a more of a taxing game, but for the most part, the output in a practice versus a game is very dramatically different for a goalie. Would you do anything else differently, like in terms of practice setup? Like if I handed the reins over, I'm starting my own team, it's the Woodleys, and Scotty, you run practice. How how like We see it all the time, lines, rush drills. Like you said, players go on every four times because there's four lines, right? But would you change the structure of it as well from a goaltending perspective? I think the more I think in general the more situations the goalies can see that that they would see in a game I, I think is an area that could make it more beneficial for the goalie. If you look at the game, you know everything starts off the rush for the most part, other than maybe draws. Uh, we get some power play stuff, but once the game gets in the zone, you know under the the hash mark or even at the point that. I think there could be more utilization of plays in those areas where the goalie's, you know, into his post because you just don't, it's a lot of it's off the rush. And then it might be some power play, a little bit of game action. But I think the more we can, especially in the first three drills, make them a little bit more, um, have them start and, and be executed from different areas just to get, you know, off the rush from the point with traffic, but then also incorporating in those in those first drills plays underneath that hash mark, plays underneath the top of the circles behind the goal line because we the goalie's in that position a lot and playing that position a lot in a game. It would be nice to see that repetition in practice in a game-like setting. We've seen that. I mean, Valaket, and ClearSight Analytics uh, talked to him recently about what's changed the most in the game. I think he told me in the last five years that low slot line, so lateral plays across the middle of the ice yep. below the hash marks, have gone up 41% in the last five years. Like that's remarkable. Is that the biggest change? Like we've talked about, everybody's talking about how tough the game is on goalies right now. Is it the east west movement? And in particular, the amount of it that's happening below the hash marks that is the biggest change? Is it also the biggest challenge? Both in terms of goalies dealing with quality chances, 
But you talked about into your post, out of your post, like the demands it puts on the body as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a it, it's a position, and and they're starting to, you know, some just some injuries are happening. You know, when you're into the post, it, it's a, it, is it it's an awkward position to be in. So the goalies are there a lot. Um, it would be nice to see more plays down there in a practice so that we can, because we see a lot of them in a game. When you look at the puck in the zone, you know, it's under the circles a lot. It's either on the point, it's under the circles, or it's coming off the rush. I think the more we could get under the circles just so that we can practice that in practice or see it in practice where we don't just have to turn on a game would be nice. Um, as far as the change, I, I just think it's, there's been a push to to provide more offense. I think you know, the game goes through evolutions, and um, you know, as you saw the 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 Oilers score a boatload of goals back in the day, and then it went very defensive, and and so at some point it's going to change to to combat that. And and I think you know, right now in hockey, there's obviously an importance on defense, but there's also an importance on making it hard offensively. I think you're seeing players work together in the offensive zone to make plays, to support each other, to be options. Um, you know, you might just the understanding of a quality chance is eliminated, you know, the, maybe the shot from the outside and all of a sudden they're working the puck to the inside. And then when there's people supporting that puck and working hard away from the puck to score, those options are there on the back door. So I just think that push for offense and that work, because it is hard work to play good offense. I think that has been a, a big evolution in the game over the last little bit is just there's a there's an intensity to score a goal and and people are realizing that you need more than one person involved to score a goal it's not just you know it, it's not just a straight line it can't be just a straight line attack um so there's more people involved and more people working harder away from the puck to be an option to make it hard on goalies whether that's through traffic or or movement and less guys that are able to sort of help you out in front of your own net the way they used to. I'll, I'll never forget Braden sure. Holby telling me that his favorite defenseman to play behind was Carl Alsner. And within a year of that, Carl wasn't in the league anymore because that type of defenseman was gone. So that probably yeah. plays a factor as well, like what Real those guys are allowed sure. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And losing guys that were sort of defensive first defensemen, like there just aren't that many left in the league. Yeah. Um, last one, analytics, how much does, how much, you know, we talk about it, you know, I mentioned it just now, like how much do you use it? Like, is it, can it be a tool to help your goalies get better? Can it be a tool to help your team create more offense? I mean, want to, want to know how to score on a goalie, ask a goalie coach. Is that a part of the job these days? I think we've watched so many goals, especially as you get into an area where video is heavily used, um, you know, as goalie coaches, when we're breaking down other goalies, you watch a ton of goals. So trends start to show up naturally just because you watch goals going in. So you start to pick up, whether it's on purpose or not, you start to pick up on some of the reasons behind goals, not just the goalie, but you start to pick up what's the step before that that's making things harder. Um, so I, I I think just with the heavy use of video and pre-scouting, um, you know, that's been a, you know, it's been something that goalie coaches are starting to to be more vocal in because they just see so many goals being scored. Um, and so it's just naturally you start to see some of the reasons why. How much has your approach changed technically over the years as as a coach? Like, is it 
are there still foundational things that were there from when you started way back in, you know, even before the OHL or is that all evolved for you? Well, I think the one thing you try to do is simplify your message over time. Um, and, and so, you know, I remember being a coach in the OHL and, and, or even before that, and, and maybe running a goalie school too, where you're trying to, you, you, you're trying to pick on everything, you know what I mean? And so I, I, I learned from Mitch on that, how to simplify and get to a, get to an end result without saying so much. So that's always a constant evolution. Um, just like anything is, is the, the more you can, the more efficient you can be with your communication. So you get the same message across without saying so much, um, has been kind of an evolution for me because I remember when I first started in the OHL and then in pro and you, you'll learn over time, you know, you try to get on, you try to pick on everything and, and, and that doesn't work. So just finding those key areas, those key foundational pieces for each guy um, that you can fall back on that, that are, are part of your verbiage consistently. And then, um, you know, asking questions a lot more and these guys know their game well enough and getting their opinion and, and trying to come to a solution together, building that partnership versus, you know, when you first start out and, and they're young and you're gung ho, you're, you're trying to look like you have all the answers. Well, that's not the case. You said verbiage is part of that, especially like you got two new guys this year in Darcy and, and, and Charlie Lindgren, who you've never worked with before. We all use different phrases sometimes in the goalie world to describe the same thing. Do you have to make sure that your dictionary is the same as theirs? Is that part of the starting process? When you use certain words, they understand. And, and do you have to build that a little bit at the start of a new relationship so that when you talk about tracking or when you you know talk about something in terms of post integration or you talk about rotation, that they understand the, the concepts the same way that you see it in, in your mind, in your mind's eye? Yeah, I think communication is obviously a huge piece of any any relationship or any any you know coach to player or player to coach uh, or coach to coach. So I think um, communication and simplifying it is important. I, I definitely did a lot of research with some of the guys that that Chucky and Dars have been around that have been an influence on them as goalies to try to get to understand what are the key, what are some of the key pieces to their puzzle. That was, you know, one of my first projects. And then, and then talking to them and, and, you know, getting their thoughts on, on some of their key pieces and, and what words they use and what things that are important to them. And they've all played for a, a number of teams. They've all had a number of goalie coaches along the way. There's certain things that are, that are very important to them that have lasted a long time um, that, you know, you want to find out so that you can keep that. Um, in their game and in their and in their process, and and so talking to the to the goalie coaches they've had over the years, and then confirming that with them and and getting their thoughts was an important part. So that communication, at least we could hit the ground running versus trying to figure all of that out within two weeks before the season started. Nice. Okay, I said last question four questions ago, so I got to let you go. I know you're laughing. What folks don't realize is that there was an hour conversation that preceded this 45-minute conversation. So I basically kept Scott away from probably a dinner with the other coaches, probably lots of other things that are going on. So, Scotty, I can't thank you enough, buddy. It's always good to catch up with you. It was nice to see you guys come through town, and I appreciate the time on this road trip. And I know our audience is going to uh, really enjoy this. 
Anytime, Kev, you're the man. You are the man. Scott's the kind of guy that I would almost feel intimidated in the same room. And he's a great guy, but being in the same room because he's such a deep thinker of the game, it, he, like he takes it all in and is processing it uh, while you're having this conversation. Yeah, I just I love listening to him. Uh, and and speaking of which, you know, at the bottom of the uh, the show notes for this podcast episode over at Ingold Darren, we've linked, I think it's seven different videos that we published with Scott over the years, all from a talk that he gave to a WHL goalie coaches conference. And you can hear a lot about his belief about tracking and uh, how he teaches some of that tracking with his goaltending uh, goaltenders at the National Hockey League level. So yeah, he's a fascinating guy to listen to. And, and I would love to just be a fly on the wall to soak in what it's like to work with him. Boy, tracking, uh, I don't know whether it will ever lose its predominant place in the game. Like it's it's it just keeps coming up and and it should uh I, you'll you'll giggle at me for saying it won't lose its place its place in the game but uh it's it's almost like it's as important as skating and everything else uh the the physical skills that that puck track you be able to improve your game just by being able to follow the puck yeah 100 percent. i think we could well we know we could talk for hours about this and, and it might be not, the most misunderstood part. Too. I, 100%, 100%. And how often do you hear somebody talking, oh, his tracking was off, his tracking was good, and I don't think they really even know what it is that they're looking at because it is so much more than just looking at the puck. It's about how that watching the puck affects the biomechanics of everything you were doing on the ice. And mm -hmm. it's a specific way of looking at the puck, not just your eyes pointing towards it. But let's let's not go down into that rabbit hole. You can get a taste of it if you head over to Ingol and, and check out those videos with Scott Murray. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll have lots more coming down the pipe because uh, tracking is an incredible and important part of the game. And Scott is certainly a fantastic guy to learn from and listen to. Puck tracking and hockey sense. What was your terminology for hockey sense earlier when we were talking about Brian? Uh, and the ability to uh, read plays uh, and, and follow it. It was just big, read the game, right? Yeah, just that, read that's the game. Yeah, yeah. Read, yeah. That's hockey sense to me. Read the game, hockey mm -hmm, sense. Mm -hmm. they, they hockey IQ, then, yeah. Yeah, that, that type of thing. We talk about it all the time with players. Uh, great physical attributes as a defenseman, but uh, questionable hockey IQ. Goaltenders have the same challenges of you you can have great physical abilities, but you need you need a hockey IQ. Well I, and I and being a geek, I talk about having a database as well. Like you can mm. you can have all the skill in the world. You can be an incredible skater, you can track the puck, you can, you know, be a great puck handler, you can have great hands. But if you don't have that database of history to rely upon to pattern recognition, right? Is 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 something that Mitch Korn and and others talk about as being a key to goaltending. And you have to have that database to draw on so that you can recognize what's happening in front of you. Uh, I'm on the other side of the border, so we call it database. Do you really? Yeah, I don't know. What did I say? I database? asked somebody database? once, uh, uh, Megan Chayka, uh you know Megan, yeah, uh, yeah. great uh, analytics uh, personality and uh, we were having this awesome conversation one day and I said, is it data or data? And she mm. didn't even know. And she's I, like all over. Oh, that's what she does. Numbers. I probably use them interchangeably. Basil or basil? 
uh what are we talking about the plant yeah uh basil oh. if we're talking about the player basil <laughs> okay <laughs> basil mccray and basil that's funny <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, uh, remind everybody about uh, what's available over at ingolmag.com because we're inside of three weeks here. 19 days to go till Christmas as we are recording this, probably fewer when you are listening to it. If you are doing your Christmas shopping for the favorite goalie in your life, head over to thehockeyshop.com, head over to sensorina.com, and please, everybody, head over to ingolmag.com. Premium subscription, less than a dollar a week. You can also get in on the new premium podcast channel if you want to add something else for the goalie in your life. Uh, those two things, by the way, you can buy them online. So you could, you could, for, you might have forgotten the goalie in your life on Christmas morning. You can still get over there and grab a present. Oh, so, so good. We, we are open for business 24 uh, 7. Come buy something for the goalie in your life or the goalie parent or the goalie coach or just a head coach who needs to learn about goaltending. How about for yourself? That's what I'll be doing. I'll be getting in touch with you and Cam both it's, on uh, on Christmas morning to it's been work done. it out. It's been done. Uh, I've seen people put their own name in the gift form from Bob uh, to yes. Bob. Yep. Love it. Uh, thanks to uh, Cam Atwood as well as uh, Scott Murray uh, over at the Washington Capitals. And on behalf of uh, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison on Dare Millard, thanks for listening to Ingold Radio, the podcast. Uh, have a good week in goaltending. Goal